The aim of Black Mental Matters is to tell experiences with honesty. Therefore, some discussions may trigger an adverse reaction. If a discussion is beginning to upset you, we advise that you please stop listening and talk to your support team. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Black Mental Matters, where we, of course, we work to eradicate that stigma as it relates to mental health, but also think and talk about you know, just how you process things in the black community to make lives better. I got a good one for you today. I want to talk about the NAACP. They were founded in 1909 in response to the ongoing violence against black people around the country. Sound familiar? The NAACP, which stands for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the largest and most preeminent civil rights organization in the nation. 2,200 units and branches across the country, 2 million activists with a mission to secure the political, educational, social, and economic equality of rights in order to eliminate race-based discrimination and ensure the health and well-being of all persons. I said all persons, right? So yeah, you benefit as well. In this recent election, we learned that if people of color and specifically black voters participated in elections at the same rate as white voters, ooh, we'd have a progressive majority. A lot of black voters are skeptical of the political establishment, unhappy with the choices of candidates, frustrated with the structural and institutional racism, the slow job growth, no wage growth, rising cost of health care, rising cost of college, rising cost of housing, all that. But we can address many of these issues by electing the right individuals and passing the right legislation. I'm honored to have Richard Rose, the president of the Atlanta branch of the NAACP, and he's going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you, you need to vote. Get yourself registered and vote. That is a Black Mental Matter. It's Black Mental Matters, Vince the Voice here. And when we talk about Black Mental Matters, there's an organization that has been in the minds of black folks since, what, 19, how long has it been, Mr. President? Since 19 what? 1909. 1909, I'm talking none other than the NAACP. Now, now uh, Mr. Richard Rose is the president of the Atlanta branch. You haven't been in it that long, have you? No, <laughs> no, no, not, not, not quite. They did a few things before I came on the Oh, it's <laughs> Wonderful man. So glad to have you, Rich. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Rose, for for uh, taking time out with us here today. And just wanted to, um, I mean, there's just so much going on. And you've been on the forefront as it relates to the black community uh, empowerment. And, and and of course, now with the, the election and everything, just give us a little, give me a little background on, on yourself, sir. How did you come into this position? Well, I came to the position, uh, I had been uh, started with NACP at 13. Wow. Uh, had my first confrontation with with racism sort of as a as a nine year old. Mm-hmm. I uh, was in school. We had a publication called the Weekly Reader that that uh, we got in class and it talked about various things. California aqueduct, the new volcano in Mexico, and this particular week it talked about zoos. And uh, I think they featured the New York Zoo in Central Park and where, and maybe the L.A. Zoo, another mm. zoo. And so I was impressed. And so I came home and uh, to my mother, who was a teacher, school teacher. She taught third grade. I said, Mother, uh, can we go to the zoo this weekend? And so she said, well, no, we'll have to go to the zoo in the summertime when I'm not teaching school because Negroes can only go to the zoo on Thursday. What? And, and I say, what? <laughs> mm. 
and so, you know, the question was, well, 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 who owns the zoo? And she said, well, the city, the taxpayers own the zoo. I said, well, are you a taxpayer? Yeah, we pay taxes, property tax on the, on the house we live in. And so, you know, then she got around this conversation of why and, you know, how insane it was to be judged by race, you know, when we were all humans. And, and I don't remember a whole lot about it. What I do remember is deciding right then and there that the first opportunity I got to protest these practices and these policies, I would take it. And uh, at 13 was my first uh, lunch counter protest in Memphis, Tennessee. So, uh, so I've been associated with NACP pretty much all my life. Mm. About uh, uh, And I was uh, volunteering throughout the years. And uh, after my son went off to college, all of a sudden, I had I wasn't following him around all over the place, <laughs> and I started doing more and more volunteer work. Uh, served on the executive committee, served as treasurer, uh, and then when the president, then president, decided not to run anymore, I was recruited by members. You know, and I said, "Why don't you uh, run for president? Uh, we think you do a great job when you were treasurer. Uh, all the things you told us to do and not to do." They, you told us right, and so wow. I took it, and uh, and here we are. And and the rest, as they say, say is is history, <laughs> and, and literally. And uh, I've been just uh, privileged to see just a little bit of it uh, uh, up close. But it is amazing, uh, you know, as you tell the story of being a young nine years old, thirteen years old. I mean, how racism. I mean, basically laid the pathway to for life. I mean, that that negative, you've been able to turn it into a positive, but think for all of our folks out there who, whether they have the fight in them or what, it, it, it took them the wrong way. Um, because this, it is it is truly real. People will say, oh, it's just something in your mind. Well, yes, yeah, in your mind, but it's also manifested in all kinds of concrete ways out here that we're really familiar with. Well, that's true, and uh, and you know the the sad thing is is a lot of people don't realize how much racism has been normalized. Yes, in our society, you know, one of our, what I recognize in Confederate monuments that it it was a, it is a those are normalization tools to desensitize people to white supremacy and to, uh, on the black side and on the white side to endorse and celebrate white supremacy. So it's a psychological warfare that has been conducted against people, black people, since emancipation 155 years ago. And so the uh, oppression has two objectives, to deprive, to take away the resources and prevent the acquisition of resources and to degrade so people don't feel worthy, they feel less than human. And all of these tools, including Confederate monuments, have tended to do that. You know, the first reaction to oppression is resistance. Yes. Uh, much like when they were stealing Africans from their lands, uh, loading them on ships to bring them over here to be sold as chattel. Uh, and then the, the second reaction is acknowledgement. You know, here I am on the ship, can't swim, back to shore. You know, what must I do to stay alive? But then comes acceptance, mm. where Realize that this is a, where you accept this imprisonment, this discrimination, this this degrading, this mistreatment as normal. And much of that has taken place. I asked the church group one time, is that 
anybody in here who has accepted racism? And nobody raised their hand. I said, okay, is there anybody in here? And I see some but baby boomers who has gone to a theater, went up the side door, the back door to get in, and uh, sat in the balcony because you said couldn't sit on the main floor. They said, yeah, mm. you accepted racism. Mm. You accepted that I shouldn't be sitting on, on I shouldn't sit where I want to sit. I paid my money, but I'm still uh, a, a not accorded full rights as a patron. Mm. And of course, the worst part, the worst next evolution is complicity, uh, where members of the oppressed class are complicit with the oppressor for the rest of that class. That's not limited to the plight of African Americans in, in the United States. That happened with Jews in Germany. That has happened yeah. uh, when the Koreans invaded China. And so that's when the Japanese invaded China. So that that has happened, you know, with oppressed people. Uh, Stockholm syndrome, for, uh, something they call Stockholm it. Stockholm yeah. syndrome. Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. what that's a that's an, and and you know, and uh, to be honest, black folk got Stockholm syndromes uh, on steroids <laughs> because we have generational trauma, generational oppression in multifaceted ways. Hmm. I'm so thankful, Richard. I mean, I mean this with all all sincerity. You being uh, so willing to just speak it, speak speak the truth, and and you know, you mentioned the uh, Confederate monuments here in Atlanta, where we are in this area. We got the largest tribute, or what do you say, the largest in the in the world, basically, to white supremacy, and that being uh, uh, Stone Mountain and the carvings on the side. And I encourage our listeners. If you go to uh, YouTube, the Atlanta NAACP page, there is a, a great video that uh, where you explain, uh, you know, where this thing comes from. And, and when you talk about complicit tax dollars maintains that. So my tax dollars, your tax dollars is helping to maintain that place. It's it's, uh, it's something else that the African-American black folks, I like to say black folks have been through uh, in this country. And 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 that's so here we are today. And we, we just had a monumental election that took place. Like hats off again to you and and. and and your organization, Karen, everybody, uh, uh, Cliff and, and Gerald. I mean, it was all about getting out the vote and the vote was 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 put out there. There's some things that are happening and changing. I guess first I want to ask you why. Why should I can't believe the number of people that I hear say I'm not going to vote because it don't matter. Why should people why should people vote? Well, in the first place, first of all, it does matter. I mean, we for, from American history, we learned about the Boston Tea Party where American settlers uh, went and jumped on the boats in Boston Harbor that were bringing tea. Uh, and it wasn't about the tea. It was about who pays taxes, who controls those taxes, who, how it will be spent, who mm. controls what. Right. And so we're still there. Uh, we're still fighting over what's going to happen with the tariffs on the tea. It's just in different places. Uh, you know, we've now, now it's education, it's, it's uh, health care, it's transportation, uh, it's uh, housing. Uh, all of these things are impacted directly, at least indirectly, but many directly by the vote. And uh, I give the example of uh, Maynard Jackson, the first mayor, black mayor of Atlanta 40 years ago. He was elected. Delta Airlines and Eastern Airlines were the dominant players at the airport. They wanted a new airport. They were all building. Atlanta was busy. And so Maynard Jackson declared that unless black contractors and black businesses were going to be able to operate in this new airport and help to build it, then we just won't build an airport. And some of the policies he put in in place then not only still exist for Atlanta, but were mimicked 
all around this country, the uh, Denver airport, the Detroit airport, all these new new stuff. They say, okay, we're going to make this different. And, and that is what we, what the vote can do is help us to destroy or dismount or restructure the system that continued to enforce black oppression, continue to enforce discrimination and continue to lock us out of opportunities for economic empowerment. Uh, in Georgia, for example, less than 2% of state contracts go to black-owned businesses. Now, less we make two? up 30, less than 2%. Oh we make God. up about 30%, 32% of the population, mm. but less than 2% go to black-owned businesses. Mm. All of this can change with the vote. The vote is, is much is powerful, and not only is the vote itself powerful, but is the threat of the vote is powerful. Mm. Now what we've done in Georgia is is lay out a threat. We will vote and we can make a change when we vote. And that was a time when black votes didn't matter. When you had two or three white males, segregationists on the ballot, it didn't matter which one of them you picked. But that's not the case anymore. We have options on the ballot and the politicians have been perfect. We we have elected some politicians, some black men and women who have not taken care of business but we can vote them out too. That's so right. we have to vote, vote them in. We can vote them out. We have we have to require them to keep their promises. We have to require them to take care of our issues. And when they don't do that, we have to put somebody else in their place. And when you said, uh, you know, vote this time, it was, you know, everything was about the, the, the president, but there's a, a some signage in your office that I took a picture of because I don't think people realize. So if you bear with me, uh, if you're about education, well, that's the governor and your state representatives, those who make that decision. We're talking about educational funding. Those are the local school boards. Got to vote for those right. school board members. Housing affordability. Right. That's the mayor and the city council. Uh, excessive sentencing for blacks. When we see all this, uh, you know, the Auburys and, and all these uh, just horrendous uh, police brutality that is judges and prosecutors they're on the ballot uh, police brutality that's the sheriff and appointed police chief you know I'm out here in Gwinnett I'm so proud boy we didn't turn this thing all the way around over here in Gwinnett all the way around, all the way around. my girl to be in the office every, uh, when we talk about health care that's the governor when we're talking about affordable health care that's also your state reps parks if you're interested in parks and recreation that's your county commissioners boy and that's what we got our county the mayor and the council gun control the governor represents food stamps. Hey, sometimes you got to have them and that's the governor and the state representatives. For those of you that are interested in having a marijuana legalized, that's governor representative and zoning policy and decisions, mayor and council. So, I mean, all those are things that affect everybody every single day. That's another reason why we need to be voting. Absolutely. This is our opportunity. Remember, the uh, when they came and invaded America, they had come from monarchies all over Europe, uh, in England, in France, in Italy, in Germany, in Portugal, uh, in Spain, all monarchies. So that who was in charge was, was determined by birth. Yes. Uh, by family relationships. That's right. So they came in and said, okay, we want to say in what goes on here. And, and so they established... Uh, a democracy. This is uh, this is where we are. We have to be participant in this democracy because we earned it. Uh, it's our right and it's our privilege and it's our duty. Mm. You are uh, uh, great about it. Did, did you take history? Was that one of your studies back in the day? <laughs> well, you know, I had to take history, but you know, I'm a numbers guy. Okay. I was a math, math and business, but <laughs> I, you know, I enjoyed, uh, I was fortunate I went to HBCU Clark College and, yeah. you know, we had a summer reading list before we came to school. Mm. Um, and so and then we had, you know, we had to take history, but we had history in, in, uh, in high school. I'm from, uh, 
Memphis, Tennessee, my high school was Melrose. And we were fortunate enough to have really the cream of the crop in terms of educators because black college graduates didn't have a lot of opportunity, That's you know, right. for jobs, That's nothing right. in the industry. So we had, I, I found that the majority of my faculty at that high school had master's degrees or better. Wow. Mm. And so that's high school. And so we were had the, the uh, my, for example, my 10th grade teacher in, in the dramatic club uh, teacher was a, had a master's in fine art from Columbia University. That's, that's, that's not shabby at all. That is top notch. Columbia University. My son wanted that's to go right. there. I said, I ain't got enough money, son. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, she, she had a master in fine art. So we, wow. we had a, you know, I'm grateful for that. You know, I don't, now, you know, it's a little bit different. Uh, we still got some great educators, but I'm fortunate that I had, and I grew up, my mother was a teacher. Yes. I'm fortunate that, that I was a third generation college graduate. My grandmother's older brother was sharecropping, heard about a Presbyterian boarding school in West Point, Mississippi for colored and Indian girls. Mm. Because, you know, in Mississippi, black schools, they had spring break, so black kids could go Club, and plant work in the, the fields. Crops, that's right. Working the fields, and then they had they had to be out for fall harvesting, so they didn't come back to school until November. Hmm. So uh, my my great uncle decided to send his baby sister, and she graduated from high school at twenty two. Wow. So married the next year, married my my grandfather was a preacher, an educated man, and so then she went to school. Uh, and of course, then my grand, when they, their children all went to that same, their four girls all went to that same boarding school for girls. And so uh, it afforded me a background of education that I hope I'm trying to use for the benefit of, of our community. Uh, I'm, I appreciate my great uncle for sacrificing his share copy money to send my grandmother to school that, that gave us a, a path toward education, a path toward service to the community and, and I'm internally grateful for that. Again, we're talking uh, it's Black Mental Matters with Mr. Richard Rose. He's the president of the Atlanta branch of the NAACP on the front lines here in in Georgia, in the South uh, to to make things happen and and, and turn things around and, and it has been been a step-by-step process. You know, you, you mentioned something about monarchies and things and it just uh, <laughs> and I asked you about history because I, I think a lot of people don't know or, or they didn't really realize that Back then, uh, the king of England and the king of Russia and the king of France and the king, they were all first cousins. I mean, people, they they were all first cousins. They kept it in the family, literally. And uh, why it's so important, the things that we do here uh, as as we pass on and and, and work to create uh, ways for our community to rise up. And we got a big one coming up now. Now, We're going to get to the nitty gritty now because we've got a, 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 a Senate race here that has the the potential. To, I mean, it, it will change the, the, the form of government almost. Um, I mean, it's just that important. How, how would you describe this election that's coming up uh, January oh, this, 5th? This, this election is monumental because what we know is that the public will continue to control the Senate. They will meet out stringent policies and, and opposition to whatever the president uh, has done, much like they did for Barack Obama. Uh, so we need to have a balance. But right now, we need to get America moving forward. Yes. Uh, there's nothing been happening these last few years. The only thing that this, this president, it would put together a, a tax cut, mostly for uh, the rich and famous. That's right. 
That's right. right. And then, and what's worse about it is that is the our budget deficit is the highest in the history of this country. And nobody's talking. Nobody's yeah. talking about that. Nobody. Right. It now, used to be all about the deficit. And oh, we right. got to stop spending. They didn't spend more money than, than, than they get to print some more money to, to spend it so and, much. And, exactly right. Not only is it highest in terms of actual dollars, it's highest in terms of relative dollars, and it's highest in terms of the uh, ratio of GDP. It is just off the chain. And as you say, nobody's talking about it now. So we got to turn this country around. There'll be some difficult days ahead. We got to get over this pandemic. And some of the things that they need to do, you know, the history is important because it gives us lessons of what can be done and what has worked in the past. You know, I hear, you know, one part always talking about the the trickle-down economics. Mm. Well, that has never worked anywhere. Ever. That's right. In ever in the world. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. And, and so, and we do know that uh, taxpayer-funded projects do work. For example, on the Roosevelt, they started, they had the uh, work program administrating WPA. I can't remember what, what the acronym is, but that built roads, they built parks. CCC, Conservation Corps, exactly yeah, right. That's right. And so we we can use that because, you know, they did a study a few years ago that a great percentage of our bridges are, are need repair. Yeah, that was a bridge across the Mississippi River from Minneapolis to uh, St. Paul that collapsed a few years ago. Sure did. And uh, he had to rebuild that bridge and people lost their lives. But we, the engineers know when those bridges are weakening, we need to fix those bridges and then we can fix America. But you got to have common sense uh, approaches, common sense programs. And we have to be, we hope that this Congress and the president have to be unified for the benefit of Americans. I think uh, over history, I mean, the NAACP is is not a political uh, one way or the other. It d- does not. It, am I right about that? I mean, we. That, that's right. We don't have permanent friends. We have permanent issues. Mm-hmm. We all understand there's commonality about uh, black folks and white folks. Like, first of all, we all in the same country. Uh, we all the economy is the same for all of us. We have there are things that must be done and should be done, and so that we all can agree on. And let's work on what we can agree on, regardless of party, because no party has been the savior of black folks. Uh, racism has been bipartisan throughout America. You know, it it ebbs and flows between what people call themselves Republicans or not Republicans. But and we know these parties change. For example, this Republican Party. Uh, is not the party even of Reagan, and right. it's certainly not the party of Eisenhower, who sent troops to uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, so so kids could go to school. So you can't get caught up on whether this party is bad and what this party is good. We got to look at who these candidates are and what they mean to our future, our present, and our future. So that's that's what we look at, and we and we focus on what those issues are. And so, again, right here in uh, Georgia, the eyes are on us uh, here as we get uh, towards the uh, uh, election day of uh, January 5th, the uh, runoff election for the for the Senate. And, I mean, it was a beautiful thing to see so many people working with you. I was able to, to, to see so many people exercising their right, whether they did it early or whether they did it on that day. And man, you came up with some, I mean, we had parties at the polls and feeding folks. It was, I mean, uh, one place I didn't want to leave. They was partying so hard. <laughs> I was like, man, you know, I was ready to order another round or something. It 
it was a good time. Uh, but sometimes well, those you know, the things you have yeah, to do, it, huh? Yeah, it was. And I think people could sense the activity was going to lead to victory, which yes, it did. Yes, yes, Yeah, Yeah, the, the, the anticipation was palpable. Uh, I think it was uh, well deserved, and uh, and we got to do, you know, we got to party one more time. We got to party uh, one more time. That's right. We got to yep. party one more time. So in the, in the, just a, a minute or two that we have left, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Rose, Mr. President, and again, I appreciate you so much taking time. And I mean, all these things, again, I know this this program is Black Mental Matters, and we talk about stuff like depression and, you know, a lot of clinical things, but more so it's about how do we uh, enjoy this life that we've been given. And it starts upstairs in your mind. It starts upstairs yep. in your mind and, and, and it gives you a plan and, and and then you need to implement. So uh, I, I would just want you, if you would, to admonish our folks out there to, 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 to get out and do it one more time. Would you do that for me, please? Yep, do it one more time. So we have demonstrated that our vote matters. Uh, and let's show how powerful we can be, how powerful we are. And uh, let's make it a habit because we, we are entitled to this privilege of voting. It is our right, our duty. And, uh, and it is to our benefit mm. because even if we, if our candidate doesn't win when we vote, they know that the winner will know that we are to be reckoned with and, and they have to come to the table to talk about what our issues are. It is just vitally important. It is where we live in a system that, that we elect our leadership and we should be electing our leadership. And that voting again, that sign in your office, I'm looking at it right now, voting impacts every aspect of our lives. So everyone, if you're not registered, I'm gonna come get you. You need to be registered to vote. And uh, here in Georgia, we're gonna do it again on uh, January the 5th. Mr. President of the Atlanta NAACP, the branch here, I thank you so much for taking your time. And uh, hey man, I'm gonna see you on the the trails real soon. I look forward to it too. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Vince. Thank you, Richard.